You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. everybody. Welcome back. If I sound, well, there we go. If I sound uh, congested, it's because I am. I don't know what has been going on with me lately. I feel like I've just been perpetually congested and like stuffed up for like two months. I'm assuming it's probably allergies. We get so much pollen here. I'm in very southern South Carolina and yeah, it's it's pretty rough. So <clears throat> that's what's happening. Also going to add in, you may hear Teddy at some point in the background barking. He is very much so in his drama queen phase and he has been barking a lot yesterday and today. So just be forewarned. But yeah, today is going to be a solo episode. It's going to be probably short and sweet. And we are going to be talking about ways that you can scale your business outside of just being a VA or becoming a coach. And this is something I've talked about a few times in the past. This is something I've gotten a lot of questions about. I actually just recently made a post about this on Instagram, but I wanted to dive deeper because I feel like it's something that a lot of people are curious about, but are just, you know, confused on how you can actually grow your business past, you know, five, seven, 10K months without turning to coaching because that's kind of the common assumption. And yeah, we're going to dive more into that. But first, I'm just going to chat a little bit about what I've been doing. I was up so late last night. I was up till like 2.30 in the morning. Um, I... <laughs> I was so busy yesterday. My dad is coming into town tomorrow. Um, I'm recording this the week before it releases, but my dad is coming in town tomorrow and I have just been trying to get everything ready for him. Not even for him. It's not like, I don't know if anybody else does this whenever they have company coming, but I'm just like, everything in the house has to be perfect and I have to clean everything and I have to make sure the outside is perfect. And that's what I've been doing, even though obviously my dad doesn't care, but I care. So that's what I've been doing. And so yeah, yesterday I was just all over the place trying to get stuff done for that, stuff done for work, stuff done for my home page, home decor page. And I hit a wall at like 9, 10 p.m. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. And then I started doing some stuff for my taxes because I had it on my to-do list for today. And I was like, I do this thing where I'm like, let me see how far I can push my limits. (laughs) Uh, Do as I say, not as I do. But I was like, I bet I could get this done right now. And then I got that done and I was like, I bet I could get the upstairs ready for my dad right now. I bet I could do this laundry right now. And then before I knew it, it was like 12 o'clock. And then all of a sudden, I just got this wave of energy and I was like, content creation, home ideas, design ideas, content ideas for my business. It was just, 
<sighs> I don't know. I love being up late at night. I feel like it's just the best time because I'm like, nobody else is awake. I mean, I'm sure there are, they are, but nobody's going to be, <laughs> nobody needs me right now. And I am just by myself. It's quiet. I'm alone in the world. That's how I feel. So I'm definitely a late night person, not a morning person. But, um, yeah, like I said, I've been working on the outside, trying to get that ready. I've never in like any of the places I've lived. I've lived in, <clears throat> oh God, one, two, three houses, different houses as an adult. And then I've lived in, if you hear weird noises, it's because I'm like rubbing my eyes so aggressively. I've lived in... um why is my brain not working? One, two, three, four, four apartments, I think, as an adult. And I have never, like, I've always tried to decorate, but it's never really, it's always just, I've never really known what my style was with it. And so that's something I've kind of, it's taken me years and years to learn. I think I'm going to do a reel about my styles evolving over the years because I think that would be so funny because I have to, I have a lot of pictures of like my old apartments and stuff, but, um, so yeah, I've been working on the outside, same concept. I've never really like de decorated the outside of my apartment patios or decorated the backyards of the houses that I've been in because I think I always was kind of waiting for like the house that I knew or the place that I knew I was going to be in for a long time. And I also feel like that's kind of like a part of coming into adulthood is like <laughs> starting to care about your backyard and making things look nice and taking care of it and planting and creating these little this little oasis my parents used to always we had a really big backyard growing up and we had like a pool and everything and my parents would always plant so many bushes and plants and flowers and my dad would make these like huge really pretty flower pots and so I feel like I'm 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 coming into my adulthood now but yeah, that's also, I think, a part of this is I want my dad to get here and be proud of what I've done outside. So I'm just trying to impress him but and myself. But so that's what I've been working on. I feel like I just can never catch up. I feel like a lot of people feel like this. And I think this is kind of a side to business that a lot of people don't talk about is the responsibility that's on you and how your brain never shuts off. I mean, I have to like physically force myself to just chill out. And I am the type of person who loves being really busy and loves, you know, having stuff to do. So this, it's kind of like a fun challenge for me, but at the same time, it is really difficult when you feel like your to-do list is just never ending. And there's always, always something that I could be doing. So I really have to like prioritize things and kind of spread them out throughout my week or throughout my month. But even just like on top of, you know, obviously I have my business, my coaching business, and, you know, that's very involved and time sucking. And then I've started this new home decor hobby on the side, business hobby. And that's been taking up a lot of my time trying to do both of them is very time consuming and then on top of that I'm like oh my god I have to find time to clean the house I have to find time to get stuff together for my taxes it's all of these like administrative tasks of life and whenever I say that I never can like really think of 
what they are, but it's, yeah, it's things like taxes or getting health insurance set up or like, especially with owning a house, there's so many random things where I'm like, I know I'm probably missing out on something. Like I just had to set up this pest control program, um, or like fertilizing landscaping. I don't know, whatever it's called. Uh, remembering to text somebody to mow the yard, remembering to fill out like residency forms. It's just so overwhelming being an adult, <laughs> but I think it's getting more manageable and I've also I just have to remember that I've moved a lot and a, had a lot of life changes over the past god five six seven years and so I think that that makes it more difficult because like my last name has changed a couple of times my address has changed like 17 times in the past you know eight nine years so eh, it's all right we'll get there. I love, I live for the chaos, but yeah, I was just in, uh, speaking of that last week from like Sunday to Thursday, I was in Florida and, um, my friend's parents have a house there. So I went and I stayed with my best friend there in Florida for a few days and it was really fun. It was like perfect weather. Um, it's close to Orlando ish. So we went to Universal and that was just really nice. I love being down there. It's just, I love their house. It's so cozy and it's just nice. I feel like Florida, like obviously I live by the beach here in South Carolina. I live near an island. So I'm like 15, 20 minutes from the beach, but Florida is just different. I feel like you can go to Florida and just like disconnect because it truly feels like a beach town. And obviously I live here in South Carolina. And even though I'm close to the beach, which this sounds like a total a-hole thing to say, but like when you, I feel like when you live by the beach, you just don't really go which is super annoying and you really have to make like a concerted effort to make time for it, especially when you're like 20 minutes away from it, which is so doable, but it's still an event to go to the beach. So when you're not on vacation, it's not something that you're doing as often, obviously. You just take advantage of, you know, where you live and the things that are available to you. But it's just nice to go there and feel like I'm actually on vacation and I'm just like, you know, <laughs> riding around bikes and they're like five minutes from the beach at their, at their house in Florida. So it's even more convenient. And yeah, it's just a really fun little beach town. So that happened. And then also we started DCA 11.0 this week, which is so wild. Monday came and I was like, how is this already happening? I woke up and didn't even realize it was the first day of DCA because I was just so out of it from being out of town and then having the weekend. And so yeah, DCA 11.0 started. We had our welcome call um, a few days ago and I'm so excited. The energy is already so high in this group. Somebody's already gotten their first client. They got their first client on the second day of DCA, which is amazing. And everybody's already taking advantage and messaging me in Slack and asking for help and asking questions. And I am just loving it so far. I feel like this is going to be a really, really good round. And I can't wait to see what they do with their business. So those are some things that I got going on right now. And with all that being said, I guess let's just dive in. So like I'm saying, 
A lot of people who start their business and become virtual assistants or service providers or Pinterest managers feel like the kind of natural pipeline is to turn into a coach. And we kind of talked about the coaching pipeline in general on the last episode, but this is definitely not the case. And I can understand why people would think this because they see coaches hitting these like crazy cash months. Well, cash months. I feel like that's such a like obscure term, cash months versus like profit months, whatever. They see these coaches hitting these crazy income months and it seems like that's the only way to really take things to the next level. And I wish that there were more service providers. Like I know of a few, but I really wish there were more service providers who talked openly and maybe there are. I mean, to be honest, I'm a little bit out of the Instagram loop. I <laughs> I try to spend as little time as possible on Instagram. I don't know. It just, it's not my favorite platform, but um so yeah, I'm a little disconnected. So just by the way, if I'm ever not like uh, responding to your story or liking your stuff or whatever, I'm still trying to see it. I just am not on Instagram that much, even though it's my entire job. But I wish there were more service providers talking about that and kind of opening up about it because I have known service providers who have hit like $400,000 years just from being service providers. So this is definitely not a situation where you have to turn into a coach in order to make more income within your business. And something else that I want to kind of talk about here before we get started is the fact that we often in the online space, we see what someone else is doing or what someone else is making, you know, income wise. And we think that that's what we have to do. And we think that we're behind if we're not at that level. And that's kind of the ultimate goal to achieve, right? We see somebody making 10K months. We see somebody making 25, 50K months. And we're like, okay, well, I'm not actually truly successful until I get to that point. And something I think it's really, really important to always do in your business is to think about what is best for you and create your goals for yourself versus letting other people create goals for you. There are plenty of people who want to be making $50,000 a month. I mean, at the end of the day, who doesn't, right? But with making $50,000 a month comes a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility and a lot of energy that you're having to put into your business. And that could take away from things, other things that you may want to be doing. Um, I kind of talked about this, how um, in 2022, we decided to simplify 2023. And that may mean that I make less income this year. In fact, I'm sh pretty sure that I am going to make less income than 2022. But I've simplified my life. Like I'm, you know, still putting a ton of energy into my business, but I'm not feeling like I'm constantly running myself into the ground and becoming disconnected from my business and losing the joy. And I have, you know, more time to put into things like hobbies or spending time with friends and family or traveling, etc. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, you know, literally more money, more problems is true in a way. I mean, I am not of the mindset that money is evil. I'm uh, not of the mindset of like, you know, oh, poor me. I'm making $500,000 a year. I'm making a million dollars a year and I'm so stressed. That's not something that I mess with. That's not an ideology that I mess with. 
But it is true that, you know, you could be making $500,000 a year and have a lot less stress in your business. And then you scale to a hundred or a million dollars a year and you've had to hire a bunch of other team members. You've had to introduce a bunch of programs into your business or services into your business. And then you end up still having a lot of expenses. And at the end of the day, you may not even be profiting that much more than when you were making $500,000 a year, but you've added on to your workload a lot more and your mental energy load a lot more. So it's just something to think about. Really look objectively at what your goals are for your business. You may only need to make $5,000 a month to be able to live the exact life you want to live. So really try not to let people constantly telling you that you need to make this a certain amount or this is how you get to this amount per month. You have to decide what's best for you. You may be a stay-at-home parent and you may be you may want to only work 20 hours a week and make, you know, $5,000 a month and you are like perfectly set. Don't feel ashamed for that. Don't feel ashamed for not constantly needing or wanting to have more. Okay, so <laughs> tangent there coming back to what we're actually talking about. Um, I do want to touch on pricing for a moment here because something that I have seen happen a lot in the online space, especially people who are newer to the online space, is feeling like it's impossible to make a lot of money as a virtual assistant. And most of that is because we've, you know, if you Google it, I mean, it, it I don't even recall what the uh, hourly amount it says for a VA is, but it's certainly lower than what I teach people to start at or what I started at and, you know, built my business up to. And that's because, you know, Upwork, Fiverr, platforms like that, people are starting at a lot lower rates. And the thing is, you can't look at what Google says or what certain people are making and assume that that's the the highest amount that you can make as a virtual assistant. And I'm going to talk more about this on Instagram shortly here in the future, but having the learning the correct information about how to start your business is truly like the make or break factor of if you're going to be stuck making 15 20 an hour or if you're going to be able to scale your business to where you're making 60 80 100 an hour because it is possible to be making a hundred dollars an hour as a virtual assistant and if you think about it if you're making a hundred dollars an hour as a va And granted, this is usually going to come with doing something called service-based pricing, which I'll talk about. But, you know, roughly, it usually equates, like whenever you really break it down to around $100 an hour, it could be more than that. It could be a little bit less. But if you're making $100 an hour as a virtual assistant and you're working 30 hours a week, that's $12,000 gross income per month, which is well over six figures a year. So, I mean, six, yeah, six figures. <laughs> I said six dollars. Um, that's that's a lot more than six dollars a year when you do the math. Um, but yeah, that is like an amazing income for someone who's working 30, 30 hours a week. Wow, my brain is on uh, X Games mode right now. My brain moves so much faster than my mouth does. That is an amazing salary for anyone. That's something that people work literally decades to get to in the corporate space a lot of the time. So don't feel like you can't make a lot of money simply just being a virtual assistant and not even just, just, oh my God, well, I said it again, simply being a virtual assistant. 
Now, granted, you're likely going to evolve your business. A virtual assistant is usually kind of the starting point, the diving board that you jump off of into something else. And there's a spider web, or I guess a tree is a better example of this, but a tree of different branches that you could go into after you start as a virtual assistant. But starting as a virtual assistant helps you really get your footing in the online space, develop a strong uh, business foundation, start to learn what you do and don't like, learn about client experience. Experience, learn again more about the online space, networking, open up opportunities for yourself. So, most of my students, not all of them, because you know, a lot of them have been virtual assistants for years now. But most of my students start as virtual assistants and then start to transition into something else, whether that is, you know, some of them have gone into coaching, not a lot, but some of them have gone into coaching and the few that have are actually killing it and they're amazing coaches. But you could go into that. Some of them have gone into graphic design, brand design, marketing experts, uh, blogging experts, SEO experts, Pinterest managers, um, brand strategists. There's literally a, a million different avenues that you could take with this. And so usually it's going to end up evolving in some way or another. One other thing I want to add that... You have to take into consideration with virtual assistants, the common misconception that they're making a low amount and you're stuck making that is that those are often like the lower hourly amounts for like, let's say, you know, $20 an hour. That's not low to a lot of people, but in the online space, that's considered like a low starting rate. That's usually people get stuck in that area because they either are not learning the correct information, like I said, are not learning how to progress their business and their marketing techniques, but also because they're stuck doing lower level tasks. Like they feel like the only thing that they can offer is something like general admin services. So email management, calendar management, data entry, things like that. General admin, it's not going to get you to the higher level prices. It's just not. Like people are just not going to pay you $60 an hour to clean up their inbox, right? I wouldn't. The higher level services is what you start to build up to. And that's when you get to the $60 an hour range. You know, I started off, I was doing some admin, but I evolved into transitioning that out and focusing on higher level services like email marketing, helping people launch courses and products, Pinterest management, blogging, etc. And that's what people really pay a lot for because you're making a huge impact in their business and helping them actually grow their revenue. So that's something else to think about. You don't want to have the mentality that you have to be stuck in those, you know, lower level admin type services. Not that there's anything wrong with those. A lot of people love admin. I also like admin, but there's just a lot more potential to be had and you need to have someone who is properly teaching you those other higher level services that you can do and teaching you how to make that transition. Um, <laughs> me. Anyway, <laughs> so jumping into ways that you can scale. Again, you don't have to be a coach. There's a lot of people that have, and I've seen this happen before, a lot of people go into coaching because they think it's, you know, a quick cash grab and they're not prepared for it. They either really don't have the desire to become a coach, they maybe didn't see the success in their business and they're not able to properly teach other people how to do it. And it can very quickly spiral downwards because 
I talked about this in the last episode if you want to dive into this more, but there's a lot that goes into coaching and not everyone wants to be a coach and frankly, not everyone is good at being a coach and that is perfectly fine. There are plenty of things in business that I, or different paths in business that I don't feel like I personally would excel in. So um, yeah, as far as starting to scale, so first things first, typically with where am I? Oh, there we go. Typically with, you know, a service provider, you start off with hourly rates, right? So you may, you're going to be booking hours of packages. So, or packages of hours. So someone may book you for five hours a week and you may be charging $30 an hour. So they're paying you oh, 600. I used to be so good at really quick math in my head, $600 a month for five hours a week of your services. And you could book, you know, five, six, seven clients at that five hour a week package. So that's typically how people start. And I encourage people to start with hourly packages because you want to be able to learn what you like doing. You want to start to develop an understanding of how long certain things take you. And then after a while, people typically switch over to service-based packages. And service-based packages are where a client is paying you a certain amount a month, let's say, you know, $1,000 a month for social media management. And you're giving them let's say four posts or two posts a week, two captions a week, hashtag strategy or hashtag research and strategy for their social media. That's just a random example. The prices of that obviously vary. There's social media managers out there who are charging $5,000 a month for one client, but you're charging them for those deliverables, right? So they're not, they're not uh, it doesn't matter how long it takes you. You're there. You're just charging them to give them those deliverables. So in that scenario, this is where you can start to make really high amounts when you break it down into hours. Because um, let's say you are charging someone a thousand dollars a month for those services, and it takes you around, let's say, five hours to actually complete all of those posts and the work you need to do for the month. That is, and I, again, should really be able to do this in my head quicker. That's $200 an hour if you actually kind of convert that to hourly in your mind. You're not telling your client this is $200 an hour. Like there's no need to break it down like that because they are just paying you for your deliverables. But that's an example of how you can start to get to really, really high income months because if it only takes you five hours a month to do that for that client you know, that's a month, <laughs> then you could literally be booking like 10, 15 clients. I don't know if that's accurate. Is it five times 15? There's a lot of math happening in this. I apologize. Yeah. If you were booking 15 clients at that and it took you five hours a month, you'd be making $15,000 a month and working around 19 hours a week. So Keep that in mind that that is always a great way and it, it's going to take some time to transition into those service-based prices and I can go dive deeper into that if anyone is interested, but we obviously have more content to get to here. Um, that's a great way to do it. And in addition to this, this kind of goes hand in hand with a couple, a lot of these go hand in hand, but 
Switching to service-based prices also goes hand in hand with learning a specialized skill because you don't want to switch to service-based prices when you're doing everything, right? When you're helping them with Pinterest, with design, with blogging, with SEO, with general admin, with launching. If you're still offering all of these random services to your client, it's going to be really hard for you to think, okay, how much would I charge them for helping them with all of these different things? You really want to switch to service-based prices when you've started to specialize in something. So for example, if you've been a VA for around, you know, four months and you've started to learn, okay, I am doing, I love social media management, Pinterest management, and blogging. Like those are the things that I am really, really passionate about. I love doing it for my clients. I'm going to hone in on those and phase out the other services that I'm doing. That doesn't mean that they can't still book, you know, a monthly hourly VA package with you for like random here and there tasks. But if you hone in on those, then you can make service-based pricing packages for social media management, Pinterest management, and blogging. And then from there, you're able to again, get more specific about what services you're offering and you're able to become an expert at that thing instead of having your hand in a million different things in people's businesses. So learning a specialized skill is super, super helpful in starting to scale your income. Um, Fluent University, which I co-own with Sydney Kerr, Uh, We have uh, courses that teach you how to become an expert in Pinterest management, email marketing, and blogging right now. So if anybody is interested in learning a specialized skill, whether you are starting out as a completely new VA or whether you're an established VA and you're wanting to, you know, really start to hone in and scale your business and your knowledge, then those are a really great option for you. Something Something else that goes hand in hand with this is transitioning your, instead of transitioning just the services that you're offering and kind of specializing in those, you can specialize in what your role is in the business. So for example, a lot of people transition into becoming an OBM, which is an online business manager. Um, I have an online business manager. Her name is Kaylin. I'm sure all of you probably know her. And she's been working with me for years in my business. I actually hired her with the intention of her eventually transitioning into my OBM. And she started off as a, you know, VA. Um, An OBM is really working on a higher level and is kind of orchestrating the things that are happening in a business, in their client's business, and are working in a more proactive role. So they're doing a lot of communication with other team members. They're doing a lot of delegation. They're kind of, you know, cluing the CEO of the business in on what's happening, what needs to be done, what they're working on. They're really a part of all of the moving pieces behind the scenes of the business versus, you know, just focusing on the social media aspect or just focusing on the email marketing aspect. They really have their hands in a lot of different areas. And this is a really great role for anyone who is, you know, loves communication, is super efficient, good at time management, good at, you know, working on a bunch of different things at once and kind of delegating to other people. That doesn't mean you have to be great at that, all of those things immediately. That often comes with time and practice in the role. But OBMs, I mean, I, this is, if I had continued with my VA business, I was pretty much transitioned to like strategist slash OBM role by the time I was starting to transition my clients out because that's just, that's where I was headed. So I would have leaned into that fully had I, you know, 
continued with that and not went full-time into coaching, but OBMs can make anywhere from $3,000 a month to $10,000 a month per client. And, you know, that doesn't, if you're kind of on the higher end of that, you may only be working with like one or two clients, or you may be working with one client and then working on like other things like one-off services, strategy calls, um, passive offers. You may have those aspects of your business as well to help your income, but if you are charging, you know, I know someone who was charging a $3,000 a month and for each of their clients had three clients in an OBM role, and that's $9,000 a month right there. So that's a easy way to, not easy, but that's a way to hit six figures a year. In addition to this, there's also roles that you can take on like brand strategist, you know, you can um, start creating like strategizing for people's brands, helping them develop kind of the marketing techniques that they're going to take, um, helping with photo shoots, helping with helping like working in side by side with their social media managers. You could also become a marketing expert. So you could be advising them on their marketing strategy and helping them develop that, helping them execute it. There's so many different routes that you can take. It's literally never ending. And along with that, there's also the route of specializing in something that's kind of adjacent to what you were doing. So maybe you were a virtual assistant and you discovered that you really, really loved designing things for people. Um, I have had past students in DCA become graphic designers. I have had past students in DCA become brand designers, web designers. So there's always that route as well, because within graphic design and web design, there is a ton of profit to be made and you can charge. I mean, there's I'm, there's a lot of people in the online space who do like website in a day type situations where they charge $3,000 and they, you know, get a website done in a couple of days for a client. So that's always a route you can take. Again, that's typically typically something you transition into after you have the experience of being a VA, just like OBM is. I don't ever recommend anyone to just go straight into being an OBM. I recommend that you start out as a virtual assistant. And if you want to learn more about becoming an OBM, you can listen to the podcast episode that I did with my OBM, Kaylin, on this season if you haven't already. Um, okay, and then we also have one-off offers. This is something that you can introduce in your business to start scaling your income. And that would be things like strategy calls, Pinterest setup, Dubsado setup. So maybe you are more on the tech side of being a virtual assistant and you really started to love Dubsado, automations, etc., and you really start to hone in on that. You could introduce an offer where it's kind of a one-time purchase. I have paid this for someone to, I paid someone to come in and set up my Dubsado for me because I just didn't want to deal with doing it. I paid someone to do that and just kind of set up some simple automations, get everything squared away, get it so that we could just go in and get to work. People charge upwards of $1,000 to do this. Same thing with strategy calls. Um, if you are really great at email marketing and that's a service that you offer to your clients, some people aren't at the point where they can invest in hiring you month to month to handle their email marketing, but they want to have somebody kind of strategizing them on how they can get started and how they can efficiently dip their toes into email marketing. So you could offer a strategy call and, you know, charge 250 for something like this. That's a lot more affordable for people than paying you $1,000 a month to do it. And if you book four of those a month, that's an additional 
$1,000 that you're infusing into your business. Kind of hand in hand with that, we also have passive offers. So passive offers are things that work for themselves, right? So if I am doing a strategy call and someone's paying me to get on a call with them, I am trading my time for money. Like I'm still having to get on the call, put my energy into it, prepare for it, etc. But with passive offers, you put in the time and the work up front. So for an example of a passive offer would be the guides that I have, the Fast Track to VA guide and the onboarding guide. I created those in 2020 and I put, you know, I would say I put probably five to six hours at least. Well, I created the fast track guide in 2020. I think the onboarding guide was in 2021, but I would say five to six hours around that into each, maybe give or take. Um, And then I've updated them a few times since then, just to make sure that they're updated with branding, with correct information, correct links, etc. So let's say that, you know, 15 hours, 20 hours total has gone into those over the past two and a half years. Those guides have, well, each per guide, those guides have made me multiple six figures alone in my business, which is crazy. And I, those are just selling by themselves. I get a notification pretty much every day that somebody has bought those. So it's a great way to infuse income into your business while not having to sacrifice your time that you're putting into your clients. So for example, you could, if you're a social media manager, you could create a hashtag strategy template. You could create a content planning template. Um, If you are, you know, on the more techie side of things, you could create notion templates. There are a lot of different offers that you can create that are passive and just kind of sell themselves. And they're, I mean, they're amazing. They're, it's so nice to be able to put the energy in up front and then to, you know, just have them sell themselves for the rest of your business. And you just have to, you know, occasionally update them to make sure that people are still receiving correct information. And if you're doing that, whenever you update them, I would always make sure that you send the people who have already bought it, the updated version. It's just a nice thing to do for, you know, people who have invested in you in the past. And then lastly, we have creating a team or an agency. This is something that I always encourage people to do is to bring on a team member as soon as it's, you know, reasonable for them. Because once you start getting clients and become booked out as a service provider, and you're also still trying to work on your own business, it can get overwhelming pretty quickly. So if you are, for example, a social media manager and you're able to bring on a team member to help you with, you know, um, designing graphics or to help you with captions or hashtag strategy or just kind of the more monotonous type tasks and that frees up a lot more of your time, then you're going to be able to bring on more clients. There's a lot of people who start to build out. I mean, an agency is really like a larger scale, but a lot of people kind of use these terms interchangeably. But a lot of people start to build out a team to the point where, let's say if I was a social media manager, I could hire someone to, 
Or let's say I offered marketing services, right? So I did social media management, blogging, and Pinterest. I could start to bring on team members to focus on different aspects of that. So I could bring on a team member to help me with my clients' SEO research. I could bring a team member on to help with keyword research and pinning on Pinterest. I could, or scheduling and tailwind on Pinterest. I could bring a team member on to help me um, create captions or do hashtag research for my social media clients. I could start having these people gain experience in these areas and start taking over those tasks while I'm still overviewing everything and I still have my hand in it. And I'm obviously still a part of that with my client and everything is being approved by me. But I've then freed up so much of my time that I'm more in the strategist role and more in the CEO role so that I can focus on more on my business, more on my marketing, more on bringing on clients, more clients into my business. And that can really quickly help you start to scale because you're not you're not having to put your mental energy into every single task anymore. You are bringing on team members to help you with that and you're paying them to help you with it. So that's a really, really great way to do it. I actually brought on one of my friends who is actually still works in my business now, but one of my friends to help me with uh, Pinterest management whenever I was a VA because pretty much every single one of my clients had me running their Pinterest. I brought on a friend to help me with that and she was able to do a bulk of the work for me. It was always approved by me and I was the one advising her and teaching her exactly how to do it. But because she was helping me with that, I was able to bring on more Pinterest clients and increase my total income into my business. So it's a really smart route to go. It's super, super helpful. A lot of people do this and yeah, a great way to scale your income. So those are, (laughs) I don't think I breathed during that. I just, I'm on a roll. Um, But yeah, these are some ideas, lots of ideas for how you can start to scale your income. There obviously (laughs) are different options because this could get even more high level and you could start talking about investing. You could start talking about, you know, opening, opening like a product based business, opening a second business. There's a lot of different avenues that you can take with this, but I just want to kind of debunk the idea that you have to become a coach in order to scale your business. With all of that being said, I'm off to take Teddy to the vetty. <laughs> He's going to go to the vet just for his annual checkup. He's becoming a big boy. Teddy turned two like a week ago, and I'm very upset about it. <laughs> I look at his puppy pictures and I'm like, oh my God, I'm literally going to cry right now. I think I'm going to try to clone him <laughs> when the time comes that he is no longer with us. No, I'm not going to do that because I don't, I don't know. This seems like a very weird thing to me, but it's also really expensive. I'm not going to lie. I did Google it. (laughs) I'm like, I would not do that. It's weird, but I did Google all of the details about it. Um, it's like 50 to a hundred thousand dollars to clone your dog. I do need to read more about how they do this because it's super fascinating to me, but it's just so strange. If anyone has ever cloned an animal or uh, knows someone who did, please DM me about that because I'm like very, very interested in it uh, for no reason. No, but I'm just interested in it in general. But I would not do that because I feel like I feel like it's like a sham. I feel like they just pretend they're cloning it and then they just give you like a puppy that they bought. 
Um, but yeah, I'm off to take Teddy to the vet. And then my to-do list is a mile long today. I'm working on some content creation. I, like I said, taking Teddy to the vet. Um, I have to clean the house, just do a bunch of, I have some stuff I have to do for my From Jessica's Home account. Need to record some TikToks for my business account. And yeah, it's going to be a good day. But I hope you all enjoyed this episode on next week's episode we should have a guest which I'm really excited about this episode I think it's gonna be super helpful to a lot of you out there and then after that we will be having the anonymous form episode which is always a fun one and then we'll be at the closing episode which is wild we're over halfway into another season I never can believe how fast they fly. But yeah, keep an eye out for that anonymous form. We'll be posting it on my stories. We'll also be sending it out in our main newsletter. If you're not on my email list, you can do that in the link in my bio on Instagram. And you always get first updates. You get access to our newsletter, which is always fun. And yeah, thank you for listening. And I will talk to you all on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at the Digital State of Mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious, okay? <laughs> Talk to you next time.